This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today, we're going to mix things up a little bit and discuss the 27 Club. Have you ever noticed that so many popular musicians have tragically died at the age of 27? Is there something behind this? Maybe it all starts with 16th century alchemist Johann Faust. Or maybe it has something to do with Robert Johnson, the world's first ever rock star, who allegedly sold his soul to the devil. Today, we'll explore all of this. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought all of your favorite musicians mastered their craft strictly through hard work and natural talent, stick around. Turns out, some of them may have had an assist from none other than the Prince of Darkness. This is Necronomapod. Breaking news now coming into us from Sky Sources. The singer Amy Winehouse has been found dead in her North London flat, just 27 years old. The singer has had... Uh, well-documented problems with drink and drugs and last month uh, had a disastrous show uh, in Serbia. She had to stumble off stage. She was booed off stage. Well, we are now being told by Sky Sources, the 27-year-old singer who found much critical acclaim uh, has been found dead at her flat in North London. No other details about that at the moment, just from her management have released a statement. I figured since it's on its farewell tour, I would go ahead and give the McRib one more shot. Really? And that is what I did some three hours ago. (laughs) How was it? It was not, Dave, I think a couple years ago, you and I got them when it came back. Correct. Did you get it then too, maybe? No, yeah. I've never liked the McRib, so I'm just kind of like out of that whole thing. It was not good last time around. It was, I think, slightly better this time. Okay. But still not good. Like as a kid at school, like I used to love like the little riblet sandwiches yeah. they would give us, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I always hoped McDonald's tasted like that and it never did. It was not nearly as good. But like every time they bring it back, I feel like something always changes. This time, there was like two tiny little pickles on it. And instead of like the sliced onions, it was the onion slivers. I don't remember there being the slivers. Hmm. Like the ones that they put like on their cheeseburgers. That doesn't seem right. Yeah, but that's what it was. So I thought it was slightly better than the last time we had them, but it was still not Hmm. good. And. It's probably good to put it out of its time to, to euthanize uh, the McRib. They probably used a different breed of dog this time to <laughs> make the sandwiches. Well, if they would have stuck with this one, maybe, you know, they wouldn't have had to, to kill it off. The original McRib, which I, I'm pretty sure you guys, I'm not even sure if you were we alive it when it came out. We looked it up the one day. I thought it was like the late 80s. That sounds right. So, I, you know, we would have been youngsters. It was quite delicious back then. 
And it was never the same after that first round of, of having it. Excuse me, I was wrong. It was 1981. Mm. And in the picture, they're onion slivers, and there's like four or five hearty pickles on them. See? Yeah. That is not what I got today. <laughs> no. Yeah. The other thing that annoys me is that, like, the, it was pretty well covered, but there were parts of the McRib that didn't even have sauce on it. Oh, that's like, weird. Now you're not even gimmicking the dog meat you're giving me. Right. Like the sauce is probably the best part of it, actually. It's a requirement to cover up the taste of the bad meat. You right. can't <laughs> slack off on the sauce. Right. Don't you know anything, McDonald's workers of today? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so imperative like, you use <laughs> the sauce. If, if I'm getting a McRib, I want it just covered in of sauce. Of course. You're I don't eating wanna, shit meat. It has to be covered in sauce. I don't want to see the authentic color of that meat. <laughs> or it's, I'm sure it's not authentic, but the color yeah. of that meat. It's dark gray. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a shoot. It is. <laughs> it doesn't have a color. It lacks all color. <laughs> it's the absence of color. So give us that, that you know, that dark red yeah. sauce. I'm not even going to call it. It has to be visually appetizing at some sort of minimum standard, right? I don't think it has been, though, in 20 years. Mm. Disappointing, Mike. Yeah. I'm not even going to try it. Yeah. I've know. sworn that shit off. Fuck the McRib. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. So, anyways, that's what I got going on. Sounds like a yeah, less I, than adequate day, in my opinion. I figured I'd give it one more shot. It's probably best that it rides off into the sunset. I agree. I'm not even trying it. When was the last time McDonald's came up with something like new, like new, new, good? Like, I'm not saying like, like I see like I've seen videos of people like in Europe and like their McDonald's have like little chicken wings. Let's why not try? I I have a a, a McChicken wing. I'd try that. Hmm. They had spicy nuggets for like a, a cup of coffee. They got rid of those. I want something new. It's not a place for new. It's a place for old. I guess old standards. I guess it works for them though. Like people are still buying the quarter pounders and the Big Macs. It's not the same. It doesn't no. taste good anymore. Even Big Macs aren't the same. I've well, we've had that debate. I've never been a huge Big Mac guy, but I also think it's because they give you the, like the patties get smaller and smaller. They're like mender sliders essentially yeah, at this point. You're biting into bread and lettuce. Yeah, and in Big Mac sauce. Sure. Yeah. Should be embarrassed, shamed of themselves. We are slaying McDonald's tonight. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're all going like, to go home and be like, oh, I wish I had some McDonald's right now. Uh, I will say their hot mustards dipping sauce, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that's the best. Their hot Hands mustard down. is so damn good. Have you had it? I don't think so, man. Oh, next time you get, anytime you get it, get it, if you get a McChicken, throw mm. some of that on there. Or for your fries, so good. I agree on that one. Yeah. It's the only nugget sauce, in my opinion. It's by far the best one. Yeah. There was a time a while ago. This I didn't mean for this to become a whole McDonald's menu breakdown, but I'll happily do it for the next hour. <laughs> they had like a like a like a like a sweet chili sauce. I don't know if they still do. Mm. That was really tasty too. They had a sriracha sauce that was pretty good. Yeah. A couple years ago. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. I like sriracha. It was real good. It was basically like sriracha and mayonnaise mixed together, I think. Or something like sounds that. Sounds good. Oh, that yeah. sounds delicious. Yeah. Um so anyways, we're mixing things up, doing something a little different here tonight. This is very different. Not what I expected at all. This was going to be a December show, but then, you know, card suckers of chains, pally. Yeah. <laughs> Got bumped up to uh, to this week. And it's, I don't know, it's something different. I like when we do the di like different things. That's we, super we, interesting. We don't get to do story. often. You know, we could do ghost stories and aliens and missing people, but this is something. 
little bit off the beaten path for us. So Johann Faust was a real German alchemist, astrologer and magician who lived from 1480 to 1540. But when you look up making a deal with the devil, Faust, Fausto or a Faustian bargain are the first things that show up. And that's because Johann Faust ended up being the protagonist for a German legend about making a deal with the devil. It, this was written numerous times by numerous people over yeah, the years. Sure. Um, but the basic story is that Faust was a really smart guy, but he got bored with his life as a scholar. Like he wanted to know everything. And because he didn't have the means to achieve the knowledge that he wanted, he became depressed. After he attempted suicide, Faust found himself at a physical crossroads in the Spesser Forest near Wittenberg. In some stories, Faust calls on the devil by just speaking out loud. <laughs> I declare my soul for sale! <laughs> just yelling out for the devil. Um, in others, Faust has a staff and he draws symbols in the ground to summon the devil. Regardless, the devil didn't show up but the demon Mephistopheles did on behalf of the devil. To be fair, the devil's busy. Yeah, he can't He's got just a lot show going up. on. He doesn't come to see everybody. He's got a big fuck schedule. <laughs> I bet he does, huh? It's like, you know. He's cornholing Hitler, Hitler down ass. there now, yeah. right? <laughs> Being the middleman, Mephistopheles and Faust agreed on the following. Mephistopheles would serve Faust as long as he lived, provide Faust with any information he desired and would never lie to Faust. To make the deal, Faust needed to sign a written copy in his own blood, renounce his Christian faith, and at the end of 24 years from that date, Faust would surrender his body and soul to the devil. Do we know how old Faust was at that time? Maybe it's a good deal. Yeah, I wonder what, 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 why the 24? Is that symbolic in any way? Is that just what they, know. you know? So Faust lived to be 60. I want 30 years. I'll give you 20, 27, 22. <laughs> and they, you know, spit in their hand and shake on 24. Got yourself a deal, Mephistopheles. <laughs> Mr. Stopheles. <laughs> I like how we're paying out to be a hillbilly. He's German and way smarter than we'll ever be. But I mean, you know, if you're 65 years old and, you know, 24 years might be a good deal, right? Where he lived to be how old? 60. 60. I mean, back then, it's a full life, right? It's more than a full life back <laughs> yeah. then, right? You, you only lived to like 35. He very much extended his um, so maybe expected that's what lifetime. Was, maybe that's what he was thinking. Maybe so. Smart. If, if nowadays at 80, someone was like, I'll give you a guaranteed 24 more years. Right. Like, you know. Got to look at it from all the different angles. Mephistopheles helped Faust find women as well. In one retelling, Mephistopheles helps Faust seduce a beautiful and innocent girl named Gretchen, whose life is destroyed when she gives birth to Faust's son out of wedlock. Realizing that this was an ultimate unholy act, she drowns their child uh, and is arrested for murder. Gretchen ends up being executed, but she still got to go to heaven because God knew that she was tricked by Mephistopheles and Faust. So Mephistopheles is like a pimp, too. He's finding knowledge and okay. women for our guy Faust. Also, my kids were born out of wedlock. It's okay. It's not an ultimate unholy act. You'll be, you'll be just fine. You don't have don't to worry about them. it. Yeah, they'll be all right. You can let them live. Well, you're a man. If you were a woman, they'd be like, witch, <laughs> kill her. <laughs> 
Regarding the wealth of knowledge, Faust became the most famous astrologer in Germany, and he was no longer limited to earthly constraints. He was able to travel from the depths of hell to the most distant stars, and he awed his students and fellow scholars with his knowledge of heaven and earth. But 24 years isn't really that long, and that day eventually came sooner than later. Great while it lasted, though, right? Foss didn't want it to stop, though. I'm sure, yeah. He was having a good time. I bet he was. was Living it up. Get me more whores, Mephistopheles! (laughs) (laughs) He's like plugging them in like... uh, like Neo into the knowledge <laughs> thing in the back of his brain. More whores. Teach me how to do Kung Fu. Eventually Faust fell ill and his students would come to visit him and kind of gather outside his home. Shortly after midnight on the 24th year, the students heard the sounds of a huge storm and then the screams of Faust. When the sun came up, students got the courage to go into Faust's room. There was blood everywhere, Bits of brain were stuck to the walls, along with an eye and a few teeth. Outside, they found Faust's body lying on a manure pile, and his arms and his legs were still twitching. Well, manure's not bad. Ma, which is good. Newer, which is good. <laughs> My manure is really not a bad thing at all, right? <laughs> on a manure pile, it's, it's a pretty good day. One of the best Seinfeld episodes with Marissa Tomei. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he's engaged at the time. Still yeah. wants to get fixed up with Marissa Tomei. <laughs> he goes on a date with her. He does his manure bit. She's loving it. She's like, how's a guy like you still single? And he's like, technically, <laughs> I'm engaged. He does like smacks him. rabbit ears with it. Yeah, and she punches him in the face. Because Marissa Tomei, like, shot short, stocky, bald men. Yeah, right. <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> so if Faust was an alchemist, was he very rich? Can we assume... That Mephistopheles gave him the key to turning lead into gold, and he was able to produce endless supply no, of he gold. Was too busy banging, like he didn't use any. He didn't of his care knowledge. about the alchemy anymore after that. Like he was like, I have the knowledge. I'm not going to help anybody. Yeah, I'm going to bang. Because when you have endless women and knowledge, you don't need the money anymore, right? So the alchemy kind of goes by the wayside. Maybe he just ran up a bunch of debt. He knew he was dying in 24 years, right? So who cares? Yeah, you if you knew the date you were going to die. Fucking go buy a yacht (laughs) (laughs) on credit. (laughs) Imagine you're just this real guy though. And like you do all this cool stuff. And then after you die, they make up like this ridiculous legends and story about you to explain like all this cool shit you did. But is that also kind of awesome? Well, I guess I had a deal with the devil. Like that's kind of sweet. Well, I was talking about Jesus, but I guess it also happened to (laughs) Faust. We're on a side road there. (laughs) But yeah, I guess that is a cool story to survive you. And when you look up like how to make a deal with the devil, making a deal with like anything, this is what comes up. Oh, yeah. That's where it originated. Sure. But it obviously originated from jealous contemporaries, probably. Right. Oh, if Faust, he knows everything. That asshole sold his soul to the devil. He wasn't that smart. He didn't do that on his own accord. Yeah. He sucks. He made a right. deal with the devil and then banged a bunch of women. He's a loser. <laughs> he's awful. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> so that brings us to Robert Johnson, king of the Delta style blues, who the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame calls, quote, the first ever rock star. And according to legend, the man that sold his soul to the devil in return for his musical talent. 
And some people think that that deal with the devil kicked off the 27 club. Rock and roll hall of fame, hometown hero. It's all right. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. Mm -mm. You mean the hall of fame is a hometown hero itself? Yeah. Oh, it's just a joke. It's not that, it's not that great. He's not from here. The building itself is cool. Like mm-hmm. the design of it's really cool yeah. just to kind of walk through the Hall of Fame and stuff. Eh. If they have a good exhibit, it's okay. It's cool. If they don't have a good exhibit, don't waste your time. You, there's other things to do. I agree. It's not that interesting. It's just okay. Yeah. Again, it's if they have a good exhibit, it's something that you might be into. That would be cool. Yeah. I remember the frenzy back in the 90s to vote for Cleveland to uh, I remember get that the too. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here. It was a whole big thing. Wasn't it like down to like us, Memphis and like New York City or something like that? Yeah, it was a couple different finalists. We kicked their ass. Hell yeah. <laughs> a lot of ballot stuff and going on somewhere. Hey, the big lie, pal. <laughs> Robert Johnson was born sometime in May of 1911 in Hazelhurst, Mississippi to Julia Dodds and the man she was having an affair with at the time named Noah Johnson. Julia's husband, Charles Dodds, was a farmer and carpenter and pretty successful given that this was 1911's America and he was a black man, which that was something that I didn't know was that there were, um, after some of the slavery stuff loosened up, that black men were allowed to go out on their own with farming, um, Mm -hmm. but because they couldn't read, plantation owners still fucked them over. It was basically still slavery. Like sharecropping. Yeah, I didn't know that yeah. was a thing. Yeah. Um, and Charles was successful for the time. Um, and cool. he ended up getting into a property dispute with a white farmer that was basically just jealousy, that they were jealous that he was doing so well. Yeah. And a lot of times they would let him like, okay, you're free. Here's your little portion of land, but go ahead and farm it. Oh, you need equipment? Okay, well, use my equipment, but now you have to pay me for using it, so I'm going to take your crops and I'm going to sell it. Yeah. It, it just, it was, it was not a great situation. Yeah, no. There were free, in, you know, in quotes. So, yeah, like I said, he was just really good at, at farming. So he got into a dispute with a white farmer, and Charles decided that it was time to get out of Hazelhurst. Three black men had been lynched recently in that area, and Charles wasn't going to risk being the fourth. Word got out that this farmer and his inbred uh, friends were looking for Charles, so Charles disguised himself as a woman and took off to Memphis, Tennessee. Why don't you have to leave your whole family because these uh, fucking white hillbillies are not happy with your success? About a year and a half later, Julia made her way to Memphis, where Robert was left to live with his father, who had now changed his name to Charles Spencer. Robert grew up in Memphis for about the next eight to nine years, and it's believed that his time in Memphis is where he began to love music, and he started playing the diddly bow, which was a string nailed to the side of a shack with a glass bottle used as a bridge. I read that he liked a three-string. Three-string three-string diddly bow. Yeah, that he was unique for that because usually guys just use one string, but he used three. Oh, shit. You can go get one of those at Guitar Center? <laughs> build my own. Yeah. Come up with one of those like wah wah pedals. Wah wah wah. <laughs> Julia Dodds ended up getting remarried, and in 1919 or 1920, Robert rejoined his mother and her new husband, Will Willis, on a plantation in Crittenden County, Arkansas. But pretty quick, they all moved to a spot across from the Mississippi River to work on cotton fields. The way it's told is that Will Willis was one of those type of guys that 
thought that a man should just kind of keep his head down and stick to working hard. But Robert was like, fuck this. I'm not trying to work in these fields. When your hands get fucked up picking cotton. So for an yeah. aspiring guitar player, that is the last place you want to be. You want to fuck your hands up playing guitar. Exactly. Like, that's not easy work, man, picking cotton. I mean, I just associate farming in general with difficult work, and I don't want to be outside in the sun all day or up at 4 a.m. Um, or doing anything of the above. <laughs> or, or being outside in general. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You, you lost me there. <laughs> oh, farming? Oh, that's outside? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'll do a hydroponic farming in my basement or something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So as a result, Robert spent a lot of his time in juke joints, which were places where black people could listen to music and dance. At those juke joints, Robert watched early pioneers of the Delta Blues like Sunhouse and Willie Brown play, and this inspired Robert to play his music professionally. While he was dreaming of being a professional musician, Robert's mother, Julia, told him about her affair and who his real father was, which resulted in Robert adopting the last name Johnson. It's interesting, too, how people were able to piece together his, um, like, just who he was, because not a lot was known about him till way later. Till much later, yeah. yeah. Like, his father changing his name to, last name to Spencer to hide from people. Their census, uh, I think it was like a 1920s census with Robert, and he adopted the name Spencer for a bit. And they were just able to, like, kind of yeah. slowly piece all this together. Not easy. The first historical documentation of Robert using the last name Johnson was when he signed his marriage certificate to 16-year-old Virginia Travis in 1929. For the time being, Robert gave up music and went back to working in the fields. As Virginia's due date grew closer, she moved back to her childhood home in Penton, Mississippi, so her family could help her take care of the baby. The plan was for Robert to travel behind her, um, but now that he was alone, he was like, I can kind of start working on the guitar a bit. Because he gave it up for a long time. Yeah. Like, he was like, I'm going to be a good dad. We're yeah. going to, you know, be married. I'm not doing this stuff. I'm just going to work. And so he picked the guitar back up. And on his travels, he stopped off at a couple of juke joints along the way to play. By the time Robert got to Penton, Mississippi, Virginia and his baby had died during birth. Virginia's family heard about Robert going to juke joints and saw his guitar. Like, he kind of showed up with a guitar on his back. So Robert was blamed for their deaths. Virginia's family was super religious, and Robert had brought this on them with his devil music. It's another thing that I learned through this, is that the blues were seen as devil music. Devil music, music, yeah. Very aggressively seen as devil music. Yeah, yeah. If they could look in the future and listen to some black metal for five minutes, they wouldn't think the blues was devil music anymore. (laughs) They would die on the spot. (laughs) Have heart attacks and feel over, right? Like that's... (laughs) At 19 years old, Robert played on street corners, but no one really paid any attention to him. During Sun Houses and Willie Brown shows in Robinsonville, Mississippi, Robert would grab one of their guitars during intermission and force the audience to listen to his songs. And Robert was not good. Sun House later said, quote, folks, they come here and say, why don't you go out and make that boy put that thing down? He's running us crazy. And Robert, for real, was just booed out of the juke joints and pretty much booed out of town. Like, don't play anymore, Robert. Not just booed out of the juke joint, booed out of the whole town. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so bad, you have to leave town. <laughs> he's to stay at the hotel. He's gotta go. <laughs> Poor guy, just chasing a dream. <laughs> it's kind of debated how long Robert went away for. 
Somewhere between six months and a year later, when Robert showed up at another house in Brown Show in Banks, Mississippi, Robert asked Sunhouse for permission to play a song on stage. And feeling sorry for Robert, Sunhouse let him. As soon as Robert started playing, everyone was blown away. In a span of six months or so, Robert had gone from being booed off the stage to one of the best guitar players ever. People said it was like two people were playing the guitar at the same time, like Robert was able to play rhythm and lead all at once. And that's for real. There's like interviews with Eric Clapton saying like, I've tried to figure out, like I've listened to this and studied it for years and I can't figure out how he was able to do this. I listened to all his old songs today. I hadn't listened to it in a long time. It's good. So good. Robert ended up dating another young woman named Virgie Kane who got pregnant, at which point her family cut her off from seeing Robert. Again, they were super religious and didn't want their daughter associated with devil music. After this breakup, Robert just traveled around playing songs at juke joints and being quite the ladies' man and quite the drinker, too. Women and whiskey. Yeah, he just indulged and in just jumped headfirst into women and whiskey all day, every day. Bad life at all. He had a tough time with like with the wife and the daughter and then this girl. And he's just like, all right, enough. I guess that's not a. It's not cut out for me. It's not for me. Yeah. He's not a domesticated man. Didn't work out for him. It's very sad, but. In 1936, Robert got a chance to record his music arranged by the American record company in San Antonio, Texas. He recorded his first single. Terraplane Blues, which sold 5,000 copies and earned him another recording session. He always played into the corner of a room or the recording booth, either because he liked the sound of the reverberation coming off the wall or because he didn't want to give away his musical secrets, like how he was able to play two parts at the same time. He was also known to play with his back to people when he played live, which makes the whole two guitars at the same time, even more mysterious. Yeah. And when you bring in what we're going to talk about with him selling his soul to the devil, it's like, so is the devil playing at the same time yeah. on his guitar? Yeah, exactly. So you think it's a boring concert then to go see? You just look at the guy's back the whole time? It must be like a tool concert where Maynard stands yeah. and faces with his back to the curtain. Or like behind the curtain, right? <laughs> like he was behind the curtain. Yeah. yeah. I also just want to say that recording booth is a, is a loose term here because it was just a room in a hotel for the first session and like a storage room in the in some building yeah. for the second yeah it's not a fancy yeah it was like a makeshift kind of studio it really and there wasn't, wasn't a huge soundboard with someone sitting <laughs> on smoking smoking doobies and just a couple takes on each like the, the, those are played straight through I, I i'm not sure how much editing is done there but that was another thing people were surprised about he knocked out like eight or nine songs in one day one take just yeah sat yeah. down first time just knocking them out there's 29 total songs i believe is all that he ever recorded wow and there's two pictures of him that exist only two pictures yeah and one of them is very badass he looks like a cool the, motherfucker the cigarette man. hanging out yeah. of his mouth he sure does robert wouldn't be able to capitalize on any of his success because he suddenly died on August 16th, 1938, in Greenwood, Mississippi, at 27 years old. In the 1960s, a musical historian named Gail Wardlow found Robert's death certificate, but the cause of death was undetermined and no autopsy was done. There was some word of syphilis that was talked about, but that was used to kind of discredit black men back then. They all had syphilis? Yeah. It's a way to just kind of shame them and that sounds about right 
So it definitely was he definitely did not have syphilis. But it seems like the accepted story is that one night, because Robert was a ladies' man drinking whiskey, that he uh, was playing at a juke joint and he was hitting on the wife of the owner of that juke joint, the guy that ran it. Oh. And so just pounding through whiskey, he ordered another bottle and it was poisoned that the guy. That's the story I've always her. heard. Yeah. yeah. And it was open. The bottle was open when he got it and someone like slapped it out of his hand and said, don't be drinking out of a open bottle of whiskey with no seal. Yeah. He did not heed that advice. No, the way that the way that I heard it told was that he said, "Don't ever slap a seven dollar bottle of whiskey right, out of my right, hand." Right, right, that's it. Yeah. And he drank it. <laughs> I want to go on record right now and say, if you guys ever see me drinking a seven dollar bottle, of whiskey, <laughs> please slap it out of my hand. Seven dollars back then, Robert was probably drinking pretty good whiskey. Absolutely. Oh, I understand. Yeah. But in twenty twenty two, should you see that, go ahead and bitch slap it out of my hand. <laughs> I also read that mothballs was a good way or was a way that people poisoned drinks back then. Just put mothballs and they disintegrate into mm-hmm. the whiskey. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because be- it wasn't a quick death. It took like two or three days of him being sick yeah. to die. Oh, just crawling around, throwing up blood and yeah. not good. Now we just have fun. We just H bomb each other. Right. Let loose. <laughs> Please don't ever do that, anybody. It's jokes from our uh, Patreon shows, I think. Yeah. Don't drug each other. I think. Or was that me in college? I don't remember. <laughs> well, we remember we talked about it on uh, what well, was bonus show, but Art Bell, when the guy laced the the Jesus crackers with LSD. Yeah. Art thought he was scamming people. Yeah. The guy was selling them. Yeah. Wasn't drugging people. But Art was very stern about that one. Again, no one's giving away free drugs. No. <laughs> no. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever lost a job, had a bad breakup, or simply just felt stuck in life? Ever wish life came with a user manual, much like our cars or appliances do? Wouldn't that be great? Lost your job? Turn to page 63. Just got dumped? Turn to page 32. Feeling depressed? That'll be on page 104. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. However, BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. So the next time you're feeling stuck, why not check them out? BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, all done online. Therapy can have many benefits, be it learning new coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, or even having a clearer mind. Look, everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. They're the world's largest therapy service and offer all the benefits of in-person therapy, but are more convenient, accessible, and more affordable. After filling out a brief questionnaire, you'll be matched with a therapist, and from there, if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist whenever you'd like. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As legend has it, the reason that Robert went from being booed off stage to being one of the best guitar players to ever live was because he sold his soul to the devil. Some people take it further, and like in the Faust story, where Faust died after the 24th year, Robert Johnson and other musicians have to give themselves over to the devil at 27 years old. It's amazing Chad Kroger's still alive with all that talent. Yeah. Still making money. <laughs> Piling it on, man. He would have thought he would have died at 27 with all that super <laughs> well, talent. Well, he's, he's Canadian, right? Their blood's superior to ours. Okay, okay. Like, right? That explains it. They don't. We die much easier than they do. Do we? It's all that poutine, man. It makes them tough. It's not the lack of health care? <laughs> I think that might be it. You mean for us? Yeah, yeah, us. yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I'm going with poutine. Final answer. <laughs> I'm going with healthcare. Final answer. The best retelling of this legend that I found comes from uh, comes from fellow blues musician Henry Goodman. I think you're going to read this, Mike. Yeah. So everyone, bear with me. This is a uh, so lengthy one. <laughs> Robert Johnson been playing down in Yazoo City and over at Beulah, trying to get back up to Helena. Ride left him out on the road next to the levee. Walking up the highway, guitar in his hand, propped up on his shoulder. October cool night, full moon filling up the dark sky. Robert Johnson, thinking about Sunhouse, preaching to him. Put that guitar down, boy. You driving people nuts. Robert Johnson, needing as always a woman and some whiskey. Big trees all around dark and lonesome road, a crazed poison dog howling and moaning in a ditch alongside the road, sending electrified chills up and down Robert Johnson's spine, coming up on a crossroads just south of Rosedale. Robert Johnson, feeling bad and lonesome, knows people up the highway in Gunnison, can get a drink of whiskey and more up there. Man sitting off to the side of the road on a log at the crossroads says, you're late, Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson drops to his knees and says, maybe not. The man stands up, tall, barrel-chested, and black as the forever-closed eyes of Robert Johnson's stillborn baby, and walks out to the middle of the crossroads where Robert Johnson kneels. That's a bold uh, analogy there. That's quite the way to say that. I didn't love reading that sentence. (laughs) Black as the eyes of your dead kid? Come on, man. Yikes. He says, stand up, Robert Johnson. You want to throw that guitar over there in that ditch with that hairless dog and go back on up to Robbinsville and play the harp with Willie Brown and son because you just another guitar player like all the rest. Or do you want to play that guitar like nobody ever played it before? Make a sound nobody ever heard before. You want to be the king of the Delta Blues and have all the whiskey and women you want? That's a lot of whiskey and women, devil man. I know you, Robert Johnson, says the man. Robert Johnson feels the moonlight bearing down on his head and the back of his neck as the moon seems to be growing bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. He feels like the heat of the noonday sun bearing down and the howling and moaning of the dog in the ditch penetrates his soul, coming up through his feet and the tips of his fingers through his legs and arms, settling in that big empty place 
beneath his breastbone, causing him to shake and shudder like a man with the palsy. Robert Johnson says, the dog gone mad. The man laughs. That hound belongs to me. He ain't mad. He's got the blues. I got his soul in my hand. The dog lets out a low, long, soulful moan, a howling like never heard before. Rhythmic, syncopated grunts, yelps, and barks, seizing Robert Johnson like a grand mall and causing the strings on his guitar to vibrate, hum, and sing with a sound dark and blue, beautiful, soulful chords and notes possessing Robert Johnson, taking him over, spinning him around, losing him inside of his own self, wasting him, lifting him up into the sky. Robert Johnson looks over in the ditch and sees the eyes of the dog reflecting the bright moonlight, or more likely so it seems to Robert Johnson, glowing on their own, a deep violet penetrating glow. Robert Johnson knows and feels that he is staring into the eyes of a hellhound as his body shudders from head to toe. The man says, The dog ain't for sale, Robert Johnson, but the sound can be yours. That's the sound of the Delta Blues. I gotta have that sound, devil man. That sound is mine. Where do I sign? The man says, You ain't got a pencil, Robert Johnson. Your word is good enough. All you got to do is keep walking north. But you better be prepared. There are consequences. Prepared for what, devil man? You know where you are, Robert Johnson? You are standing in the middle of the crossroads. At midnight, that full moon is right over your head. You take one more step, you'll be in Rosedale. You take the road to the east, you'll get back over to Highway 61 in Cleveland. Or you can turn around and go back down to Beulah. Or just go to the west and sit up on the levee and look at the river. But if you take one more step in the direction you're headed, you're going to be in Rosedale at midnight under this full October moon. And you're going to have the blues like never known to this world. My left hand will forever be wrapped around your soul and your music will possess all who hear it. That's what's going to happen. That's what you better be prepared for. Your soul will belong to me. This is not just any crossroads. I put this X here for a reason and I've been waiting on you. Robert Johnson rolls his head around, his eyes upwards in their sockets to stare at the blinding light of the moon, which has now completely filled the pitch black Delta night, piercing his right eye like a bolt of lightning as the midnight hour hits. He looks the big man squarely in his eyes and says, Step back, devil man. I'm going to Rosedale. I am the blues. The man moves to one side and says, Go on, Robert Johnson. You the king of the Delta Blues. Go on home to Rosedale. When you get on up in town, you get you a plate of hot tamales because you're going to be needing something on your stomach where you're headed. It's a wild telling of that story, man. If anything has come from researching this, I'm glad that I read that story. It's fantastic. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. That there's the birth of rock and roll, more or less. Pretty much, yeah. Well, Dave, the white man made rock and roll. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Elvis Presley, the Rolling Stones, Aerosmith. The list goes on. Weezer, Sister Hazel. <laughs> Weezer. <laughs> Uh, recently, th- three days grace, three doors down. That's that's the birth of rock and roll. Is that right? You feel like you trade your soul to the devil. Just listen to three doors oh, down. God, Led Zeppelin made a whole career out of poaching these guys' material. Yeah, you could trace everything back to Robert Johnson. All of it. Yeah, historians believe that Robert didn't really sell his soul to the devil. 
but Robert what? <laughs> but there's some people that do there's there's guys in that documentary on Netflix which is really good I'd recommend anybody to watch that was it called Crossroads yeah devil at, devil the, cross- at the crossroads yeah. just like we talked about <laughs> oh shit it is really good there's some old blues guys in there that are like yeah Robert went down there and sold his yeah. soul oh they're not putting on yeah, yeah they, they absolutely believe it, believe it. Netflix mm-hmm. it's yeah. yeah it's really good I have to check that out Historians believe that Robert learned from a man named Isaiah Zimmerman, who went by Ike. According to Zimmerman, he and his wife, Ruth, took Robert into their home in Beauregard, Mississippi, while he mentored Robert. Their favorite spot to practice was at the Beauregard Memorial Cemetery across from Zimmerman's house. And rumors spread about the two of them playing the devil's music in a graveyard. (laughs) And the way that that was told was that Ike told Robert that they were going to play in the gravestone or in the graveyard because he wasn't going to bother anybody like he was back at the juke joints. Yeah. The the dead weren't going to be able to boo him so he could be as bad (laughs) as he needed to be out there. So an expert in six months to a year. Is he a natural? I don't know. I don't know how you explain that. Like, are there certain people that have that innate talent they just don't know it yet. So all it takes is six months to a year. Once you learn what you're doing, then your your I think that's the internal accurate. talents or your natural born talents are gonna are gonna come out. And this, this Ike Zimmerman guy, he was considered one of the best guitar players mm-hmm. in the area. So I maybe also, Robert just it just clicked. That's know. what I mean. Yeah, and maybe he wasn't as bad as the story goes when he was kind of jumping in there when those other guys were playing, and he would just jump in at like the uh the intermission he just wasn't as good as son and willie brown yeah and he wasn't good maybe he wasn't the drizzling shits maybe he was just like a beginner and that's not what they you know if you pay to see a concert you'd want to hear a beginner play so you know and then maybe for six months he busted his ass and it's still interesting though that like eric clapton will listen to him like i don't know how he did that that's interesting yeah because if he can't figure out how he did it we're certainly not right like you know no, he had extremely long fingers. That's one thing. That that helps. Yeah, I can't think of the musician. And the other thing we didn't talk about is he strapped a, another string onto the six string. Like he was playing with a seven string guitar. Somehow they're like, "What in the fuck is yeah. this?" But then I always like, and I was thinking that, like, oh, well, maybe he had like some kind of trick to the trade. But like Eric Clapton now, there's seven string guitars all over the place, and he still is saying he can't figure out how he did it. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, does it ever make you think there's something that you're a natural at, but you've never been exposed to it, so you'll never know? Like, it's cricket. No, like, if you ever played cricket, what if you're the best cricket player in the history of the world, but you've never been exposed to cricket before? Well, I think we found it. We're, we're podcasts, right? We're the best in the world at podcasting. <laughs> and we happen to find it, luckily for us. But for our listeners out there, maybe they haven't found their their talent. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's something we're all... There's probably a lot of things that we're all naturally good. Like that's at. why I always thought it was best to expose your kids to all as many different activities and sports growing up because you never know what they're going to be good at and what's going to take and what's not going to take. Absolutely. Yeah. There's things you've never been exposed to that you're just never going to know. I, I I think that's true. I mean, I don't think everybody maybe is is going to be good great at something, but. But don't you think there's one thing that everyone's good at? I don't know. As long as they find that one thing, I think there's. Probably for most people, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's going to be something. 
Yeah, I don't think I have anything like that. There's not something that I'm just naturally really great at. Anything that I might yeah, be good at mm-hmm. is because I tried hard to be good sure. at it. Which is essentially just drinking alcohol, but and, and peeing every <laughs> that I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> Took a lot of practice though. And peeing every 15 minutes. <laughs> so I got a good Robert Johnson story for you guys. So there's another Delta Blues musician named Robert Lockwood Jr. He's from that area. And Robert Johnson lived with Robert Lockwood Jr.'s mom for like eight, nine, ten years. Okay. Was dating her or whatever. So he was kind of like a quasi stepfather mm-hmm. to Robert Lockwood Jr., who was only like four years younger than Robert Johnson. But he taught him how to play guitar and they used to do shows together and stuff, and he would they would play out and about and whatever. Like I've read that people couldn't tell the difference between the two. So this guy's real good too. So there used to be a bar called Fat Fish Blue in Cleveland downtown i remember that and robert lockwood jr moved to cleveland for the second half of his life so every wednesday night this guy would do three sets at fat fish blue and he was i think he lived to be 90 something so this was about 20 years ago he's almost 90 so i was there on a wednesday night for whatever reason and this guy robert lockwood jr sat down at our table and was talking to us in between sets oh yeah was telling us just the story of playing with robert johnson and growing up with him in his house and Holy shit. It was really cool. That's Damn. awesome. Yeah. So you just remembered that? Like just, or like you knew. No, I was worked. reading this. I go, holy shit. I forgot all about that. Like, I don't remember the specifics and stuff. And right. I was probably pretty intoxicated, but it was about yeah. probably 2005. He died in 2006. So it was probably 2005 ish around then, but really cool guy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Three yeah. shows every Wednesday night. And we just happened to be there on a Wednesday and it was like in the middle of sets. And hey, he was, I would say almost 90 years old at that point and just was, uh, Sitting down bullshitting with us, talking about the old days in the Delta. and If you only would have known back then that 20 years <laughs> right. later, you'd be covering this on a podcast. <laughs> so there's my Robert Johnson adjacent story. It was pretty cool. I don't have any specifics to offer really you because cool. I don't have a very good memory. But <laughs> Fatfish Blue just like blew my mind. Oh, that place like, was awesome. Man, I, for, I don't know if I ever went because I was like a kid back then. Yeah. But like, well, but 2005, I was not a kid. It was like a blue. It was a blues yeah. bar restaurant in maybe downtown made, Cleveland. Yeah. It was a very cool spot. Everyone always had fat fish blue shirts. Like I saw those everywhere. Yeah. That was like a so. That's cool. That's my night of hanging out with Robert Lockwood Jr. Really super cool guy. Was he into the whiskey and women as well? You know, I don't remember. You probably did a shot with him and don't even remember. I probably did, <laughs> but I think he died shortly after. Well, yeah, I couldn't keep up drinking with you. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> he was in his 90s. Doesn't mean that alcohol couldn't have done it. That's true. So the 27 Club became well-known after Kurt Cobain died in 1994, with people connecting his age of 27 to Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Brian Jones, and Jimi Hendrix. When Amy Winehouse died at 27 in 2011, it attracted even more attention to the age And then the idea of Robert Johnson selling his soul to the devil as being the cause for so many talented musicians dying at 27 years old started to spread as well. Kind of an online thing. Was it an online thing? That was never a thing back in the early 70s until... From what I was reading, there were people that connected um, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, because they all died within months of each other. Like it was boom, 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 real quick. Robert Johnson being the reason for it, I think, is an internet thing. 
Yeah, that probably makes sense. There was some talk of a 27 Club when Kurt Cobain died because his mother said something in the press along with, I told him not to go and join that stupid club mm. or whatever. And Yeah. You know, like, don't fuck up your life. You want to go through some of these guys? Yeah, go through some of them. There's actors um, and actresses in here. There's some, but not in this list. I kept it to musicians. Um, but maybe we can talk about some of those at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get into some of those, too. That'd be cool. I have a few more I wrote I down that I thought were interesting, too. All right, let's do it. The first one, uh, Rudy Lewis, R&B singer for the Drifters. He was found dead in a Harlem hotel of a suspected drug overdose. Uh, he died on May 20th, 1964. Drifters are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Drifters are interesting. I was looking at them. There have been like 60-something members of the Drifters. Jesus. And it was one of those things where kind of before the boy band era, but the manager ended up with the name. He owned the name, the Drifters. Okay. It's like when the original guy left, he would just hire another band. Like the, He got this other band like, oh, you're the Drifters now. <laughs> so then and then uh, it was like all these incantations of the drifters right it's kind of interesting no you're the drifters now so like yeah. they're the <laughs> like they're the new they're the original drifters then the new drifters and drifters 2000 yeah like they're still that, playing yeah. today i think and there's been 60 something people in the <laughs> band that's wild so who made it to the rock and roll hall of fame then like yeah, the original lineup the original drifters from the 50s i think okay yeah. hall of fame's like you're not gonna put a fast yeah. on us <laughs> fuck you to so like 60 people on the induction <laughs> right. stage singing under the boardwalk uh brian jones founder and the original lead singer of the rolling stones drowning in a swimming pool in his home in east sussex england on july 3rd 1969 also fired by the stones right before this happened. So if this is true, imagine selling your soul to the devil for this musical ability, and then the Rolling Stones kick you out of the band that you founded. Like, <laughs> yeah, how, that fucking sucks, like, right? What the fuck did he do that he was getting kicked out of his own band? Yeah, they booted him. Goddamn. He was living life on the edge. Seems like it. Yeah. There's a lot of conspiracy theories around his death, too, like this handyman slash construction guy that was working for him was living at his house with his girlfriend and they were said to have argued over money earlier in the day. So there's some thought that he drowned this guy. The, the construction worker, construction drowned worker drowned Brian Jones killed him. Hmm. And his buddy later claimed that he, uh, in a deathbed confession said, yeah, it was me that did him in hitman terms. I did him. Yeah. Really? How about that? It, it, it certainly is a twist. It's a twist in the plot. Uh, Jimi Hendrix <laughs> died September 18th, 1970. He ended up dying of asphyxiation. He threw up in his sleep while mixing barbiturates with alcohol. Yeah, that's not good. Like the girl he was with said that he took her sleeping pills like nine times the recommended or 18 times the recommended dose oh. or something. Yeah, that'll do it. And there's a lot of conspiracy with Hendrix, too. Like yeah. What time the girlfriend called the ambulance, what time they showed up, like the ambulance guy said they didn't even see her when they got there. And his buddy Eric Burden from the animals showed up before the ambulance and cleaned up all the drugs because he's worried about the drugs and stuff. A lot going on in that room there. I've heard the story about the guy cleaning up the drugs. Yeah. He's, I guess he I found a poem or something that Hendrix wrote and left it and he thought it was a suicide note. So he like told the press or something that it was a suicide. So there's just a lot of confusion going on there. 
Mm. I actually pulled a quote from Hendrix like two weeks before he died. He said, I'm not sure I'll live to be 28 years old. I mean, the moment I feel I have nothing more to give musically, I will not be around on the planet anymore unless I have a wife and children. Otherwise, I've got nothing to live for. Two weeks before he died. And two months before he turned 28. Yeah. And he said, I, I might not see 28. Yeah. yeah, that's dark. A lot of converging things going on there with Hendrix. Janis Joplin died October 4th, 1970 um, from a heroin overdose at Landmark Motor Hotel in Hollywood. If you're going to die in a hotel, I hope it doesn't have the word motor in it. Right? I was going to say, That's horrible. like I was just thinking, like if it has motor in it, uh, you don't stay you're there. You're like, ooh, motor? But I guess if you're doing heroin, Not you're just probably in. looking for a place just yeah. to kind of do heroin. Yeah, I guess it goes hand in hand. I guess she got strong heroin, stronger than she was used to. Is what I, I assume if we liked heroin, we'd get like diet heroin, right? Heroin light. Like if I was gonna to go with our Miller Light, like, we, we want heroin light. <laughs> if I was gonna do a heroin, yeah. we don't want the strong heroin. Dave, there's a lot of stuff I'm gonna have to do first to ease my way, even in the heroin <laughs> realm of things. Like one a weed maybe yeah. first. <laughs> Let's do a weed. <laughs> I'll get to heroin in about a year or two. Years of time. <laughs> uh, that was 16 days after Hendrix, so that was boom boom. Man, can you imagine? That's a hit. Yeah, yeah, that's too. Wasn't iconic people gone real yeah, quick? Yeah. What was the? Um, I guess a bunch of other people had that same heroin. She did an OD over the weekend too. So OD yeah. as well. Yeah, so really? I guess it was stronger than anyone thought. Could it have been laced with anything else too, or they don't even know? They just yeah, think it might have been stronger. Isn't that the whole fentanyl issue right now? Is that people cut heroin yeah, with fentanyl? Fentanyl's a lot cheaper, but also. If you kill your clients, well, how do you keep clients? I never understood that. Like if you, if like you're not doing that intentionally, right? Because like, why make it stronger if you can make it not as strong and still make as much money and keep them coming back? I think just because fentanyl is a lot cheaper, and you're trying to. But I'm talking like with Janis Joplin, like specifically, like yeah, that probably I was just know. like a mistake, probably somebody made, probably, and then ended up killing all their customers, probably. Yeah, I think even the fentanyl thing is probably a mistake. A lot of times, I think people cut it trying to make it cheaper they don't think they're making it as strong as they really are yeah yeah they end up killing a bunch I of people that's probably right this show has went down a dark road <laughs> and like i don't feel great about any of these conversations well, it's not a good business model to kill your clients right i would imagine if we killed all of our listeners that probably wouldn't be great for our numbers it's like bill murray and caddyshack correct, <laughs> correct me if i'm wrong but if we kill all the golfers <laughs> Uh, Jim Morrison died July 3rd, 1971. He was the front man for the doors. Found in the bathtub of a Paris apartment from a heroin overdose. Actually, it was just labeled a heart attack. They didn't do an autopsy, so... So suspected. That was just suspected heroin, yeah. 27 for just a heart attack. Crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to hope that perhaps there was some extracurriculars going on. Strangely enough, there's... Uh, I wrote down a bunch of conspiracies for this. There's for all of them are like that. He was his girlfriend, Pamela Corson's apartment. She gave varying accounts of what happened. She died four years later herself of a heroin overdose. I'm not really sensing any conspiracies here. Well, some people say there was a CIA plot to eliminate the uh, counterculture figures and the CIA killed them. Then it was a guy, Sam Burnett, who wrote a book in 2007 that uh, he used to run this club in Paris 
where Marianne Faithful used to play. And he said that uh, Morrison died in, uh, in the club toilet. And the drug dealers dragged him out of there, put him in a taxi, and took him back home, put him in his bed. In the tub. In the tub. Sorry. Tub, not bed, yeah. The Marianne Faithful even said that her boyfriend, the drug dealer, gave uh, Jim too heavy of a, or too much of a dose of smack, and it killed him. So hmm. Then Ray Manzarek from the Doors later suggested that Jim faked his own death, and he's still alive, uh, just living out his life somewhere. Ooh. So there's a lot of things around Morrison's death. Yeah. I love a good fake death story. And then do you remember the internet thing in 2016 where there was a Jim Morrison lookalike, an old guy living in Oregon, no. and then people were convinced that that was Jim Morrison? I did not. I don't yeah. know that one. Yeah. <laughs> Those pop up like Elvis all the time, too. Like, oh, look at this. It's like, it's just an old man. Yeah. Tupac. Not every old man that has sideburns is Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tupac shit pops up all the time. Yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. Although I haven't seen any photos of like, oh, this is him. There was a guy not that long ago. Or uh, the... All Eyes on Me movie that came out a couple years ago. That dude looks exactly like Tupac. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, Rob McKernan died March eighth, nineteen seventy three. He was the founding. He was one of the founding members of Grateful Dead. He ended up dying from a gastrointestinal hemorrhage at his home in California. Doesn't seem like any conspiracies or anything. Any issues with that? It's just no, an he was unfortunate just a, thing. Well, he's an alcoholic. Which yeah. caused him to have to quit the band because of liver damage and he couldn't tour anymore. But who wants to listen to Grateful Dead anyway? That's fucking horrible music. I've never, I've honestly, I've never listened to Grateful Dead before. Oh, it's awful. I have no interest. No. Yeah, I know. There's a couple good songs, but for the most part. I'm not even sure I could recognize a Grateful Dead song if I heard it. I probably couldn't, no. Touch of Grey, like that's a good song. So that's the one we should listen to if we're going to listen to one? That one or the Casey Jones? Driving that train high on cocaine. Like, you guys don't know this song? I don't even. I, I, I don't might. Know. I don't know. Maybe if I heard it. I don't know that rendition. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check it out. Have you heard the Janis Joplin song, Heroin? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me some heroin? I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's nickname was Pigpen, by the way, if it's relevant to the story. Ron's Pigpen. Like the Peanuts character? I, I guess. I'm not a Grateful Dead guy by any means. I don't know. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> he was friends with Janis Joplin, though. I read that. All right. He made it, what, three years, two and a half years longer. Uh, next one is Kurt Cobain. Died April 5th, 1994. I think everybody knows who Kurt Cobain is. A front man from Nirvana. Died of suicide from shooting himself in the head with a shotgun. Yeah, a lot of views on this one. Often requested story. Yeah, I really, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing an episode on Kurt Cobain, like a solid two part episode. On okay, that. two parts on yeah. Kurt Cobain. Yeah, I think so for sure. A lot of people do not love Courtney Love. They are not a fan of hers. I think there's a lot of questions with uh, with that whole situation. I know there's all the the conspiracy theories and stuff like that, but I don't know anything about the story. So that would be that could be a fun episode to to kind of dive into that. Yeah, I think at minimum there were a lot of extremely shady people hanging around with them, brought in by her. Okay, I'll reserve judgment on that one. Yeah. I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. Uh, the guy that did the documentaries with Eileen Warnos, Nick Red, no, not Nick Redford, um. That's the Skinwalker guy. Yeah. yeah. I remember that guy. Um, 
I can't remember his name, Nick something, but he's the one that went in and interviewed Eileen multiple times when she was in jail and waiting death row and mm-hmm. stuff. He did a documentary on Kurt Cobain okay. and Courtney Love. I would love to hear about it. We can all agree, though, that Hole is a top five band, right, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> she had, They have the one song that's really good. Doll Parts. Is that what it's There's called? a couple good songs. I don't know. They were okay. There's one song I can think of. I don't know the name of it, though, off the top of my head. Really cool. That, that one album was real good. Top five. Official, uh, cool, <laughs> official cool down media list. Not going to go that far. Well, and Kurt's published, like, Kurt owned 98% of the publishing of Nirvana, right? I believe like so. Like a huge yeah. percentage. Uh, I apologize if I'm wrong, but I think it's something crazy, like 98%. And Dave and Nova Selleck own like one, like, because Kurt wrote all the songs, right? He owned all the publishing, I think. Yeah, I believe so. he so. was worth a lot of money. This will be good stuff to get into when we cover this one day. I think. I'm just talking off the cuff here, but I think that's right. I never saw Nirvana. How many years were they around? A couple. But I mean, like, what, five years maybe? Like, and not even huge for those five years? Like, it was pretty. Yeah, they did a great show. Well, I heard it was a great show because I didn't go at the <laughs> Empire Concert Club in, in Cleveland, like a legendary Nirvana show, and I did hmm. not go, but I heard it was awesome. Uh, Richie James Edwards died February 1st, 1995. He was a Welsh guitarist and lyricist for the Manic Street Preachers. He ended up missing a flight in the U.S. Uh, while he was on a promotional tour, February 1st, 1995. And he disappeared near the Wales-England border soon after that. In 2008, he was declared presumed dead. He just went missing. Yeah, that's a weird story. Mm-hmm. Wow. They found his car like near a bridge. Like It seems plausible. He jumped into the river over the bridge, but... Have you ever listened to these guys, Manic Street Preachers? Mm-mm. Let me tell you, I, li- I, I hadn't either. I listened to this, their album, this last album, The Holy Bible, today. Yeah. It's fucking great. Really? I loved it. Why do I get the impression they're like punk? No, it's like kind of alt-indie. It's not punk. Okay. It was really good. I'm not sure I know what alt-indie is, but I would check it out. It's like a different, like in, I don't know what that means either. I think <laughs> I, I think I read that description, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like that's a new that's a genre alt indie. Yeah, like okay. just British indie music. I thought right. it was, I thought it was real good. Manic Street Preacher. Are they still around or did they kind of? I, I don't know. Oh. Like that was a big album. I don't know. I was just reading background on these people, and that was a big album that this guy was. They were going to do a promotional tour for this Holy Bible album that they just recorded. So I'm like, all right, let me listen to this one. It's fantastic. Stuff. I like that. I love finding new music that I missed. You know, 30 years ago. After 13 years, they're like, yeah, he's dead. Call it. Yeah, they held out Call for a while it. on that. That's game. That's game. People are waiting for insurance payouts. <laughs> She's like, oh, call them dinner. <laughs> uh, the last one that I had on my list was Amy Winehouse. She died July 23rd, 2011. Voice of an angel. Yeah. The saddest of them all. She had a lot of issues with drugs and alcohol. She did. Uh, she ended up dying from alcohol poisoning. A bad choice in men. That fucking clown husband of hers that got her hooked on heroin. Who is that? Is he a famous guy or just no? Schlub? Just some schlub, Blake Civil Fielder, dickhead, ruined her life more or less. And now is he getting still all the residuals and royalties and all that? Is that no? Okay? They were divorced. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she finally got rid of him. She have kids? No. Very sad. 
It's a real bummer of an end of an episode. One of my favorites. <laughs> I love I, Amy Winehouse you're, so you're much. You're a big Amy Winehouse fan. It was awful. Did you ever see her, Dave? I did not, no. You got to start seeing these artists before they turn 27. <sighs> she tried to make it to rehab, but she said no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to see her, but yeah, no. It was not to be. It was not to be. I got a couple more. Oh, that's right. We have yours and you have some movie people. Yeah, let me perhaps. get those ready on my laptop. You know, why not have more, you know, horrible, sad things to discuss <laughs> here at the end of the show? <laughs> so, yeah, there's like artists and actors. Like, there's more than just the musicians at the popular. Right. 27. You on this, but do you guys remember Anton Yelchin? He was an actor. He was he in the Star Trek reboot. He was Chekhov and he was in, remember that Green Room? kind of pseudo horror movie where they were in the band they went to play at the white supremacist camp yeah they were trying to kill him he was in a bunch of stuff this kid he was a really good actor yep i I know but he he drove into his apartment or his house in studio city one night parked his jeep grand cherokee got out went to go check the mail or something the jeep like knocked out of gear rolled backwards i guess it was a steep incline and pinned him against like some brick pillar or something where he was checking his mail that's terrible. Asphyxiated, like, you know, internal trauma. Ugh. Horrible. He was in a movie called Rudderless. It was a really good movie if you guys have never seen the movie Rudderless. Is that a horror movie? No, no. It's a, it's about a school shooting kind of sort of oh, damn. redemption story. It's it's quite sad. It's a very good movie, though. Well, as if we had en- didn't have enough sad stuff to discuss tonight. <laughs> Let's discuss school shootings. <laughs> school shooting slash music it's a really good movie all right i got another one all right mia zapata was the lead singer of a punk band named the gits they were from ohio yellow springs ohio at antioch college where they met which is where dave Chappelle lives down there Hmm. moved to seattle kind of on the verge of breaking out and she got murdered one night damn Never found out who it was. 20 years later, they had the DNA sample of a bite mark or something on her. 20 years later, this guy that killed her got arrested or whatever, and the, uh, they had advancements in DNA and whatnot, and his DNA got put in a database. Guy got convicted of the murder 20 wow. years later. Like That's a whole show we should maybe do one. It's a really interesting story. That'd be cool. It's really sad because they're really good. So if you've never heard of the Gits, check them out. I got the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. I was practicing that earlier, so I wouldn't say it. I think that's how you say it. Basquiat. Basquiat. The graffiti artist from uh, New York City. Ever seen any of his stuff? Mm-hmm. So fucking cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, he's a legendary guy. Yeah, awesome stuff. Died at 27. And then, uh, do you remember the Minutemen, the punk band, like early 80s? D. Boone, the guy from the Minutemen, 27. I swore Heath Ledger was on this list but he oh. was 28 oh uh, okay mac miller was almost on this list but he was 26 and nine months mm-hmm. or something i would have guessed heath ledger was older i didn't realize he was only 28 yeah he's young mm. that's a guy that could have went on to do a lot of great things with movies heath ledger yeah oh he's really, a really good, good oh, actor yeah. yeah i feel like he'd have been up there with like leo like they'd have been like the two like yeah. generational actors esque type maybe there's probably a few more up there but those two would have been I think big. that's probably right 
So anything fun happened? <laughs> anything cool we could talk about? There's one other. Did you see the white lighter myth? Like I ran across this looking at this stuff. Uh-uh. Allegedly, Hendrix, Morrison, Joplin, and Cobain all had white Bic lighters with them when they died. So that's this whole white lighter myth. Snopes took a look at it and they said, ah. White lighters are bad luck, right? Yeah, that's what's traced back to this. Okay, yeah, because I remember, you know. You have heard of it. Statues of limitations, whatever. I remember smoking weed back in the day, like when I was younger. And every once in a while, if like someone had a white lighter, be like, no, dude, that's bad luck. Yeah, yeah, see. Fucking light that joint with a white lighter. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess Snopes looked at it and they didn't, Bic did not make those disposable lighters back when Morrison and Hendrix and everyone died, so. I was okay. going to say, so maybe they only had white lighters back then. They did not make them. So they didn't have them on them. No, Bick did not make those disposable white lighters so back at just, that time. It was an unfounded, just a rumor yes. that they all had. Oh, I see yes. what you're saying. I was just thinking, a rumor. Well, maybe that's all they made back then. Oh, white lighters, no. And that's why they all had them. Yeah, just a rumor. Which is kind of weird, right? That's funny that you that's, brought that up. It just like reminded me of all kinds yeah. of shit. I remember like my friends and stuff back in the day. See? If you tried to light a, even a cigarette with a white lighter, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here with so, that, man. So if you had known this, that it came from that, but then it was debunked, would you have been like, all right, I'm, we're good? Or is that just something now that's in your head? Like, I don't fuck with white, white lighters. I don't know. I forgot all about it until just now. How does something like that get started? I don't know. Maybe it was Bic, like their new ad campaign. When they you know, rolled out white these, lighters, yeah. finally. Yeah. No, I mean like all their new colors. They're like, oh, they all had white. But you can now red, blue, orange, green. You get this Dale Earnhardt lighter. Woo! <laughs> What's weird is that Bic must have been making those disposable lighters back then. But why not white? They must have had other lighters. So between then and now, someone made a decision that we're going to introduce the white lighter. Yeah. Why wasn't it in production back when uh, Morrison, Hendrix, Janis Joplin died? Like, who's the person at Bic that said, you know what? We need white lighters. We're not. We have no white lighters in our product line. Why wasn't that an original color? Doesn't make any sense. When did disposable lighters become a thing? Um, When I started smoking as a young 12 year old, um, you had disposable. They were available. I don't know. (laughs) So what did you have before? Like, like a, like a. A mechanism and you had to like keep replacing it like like the like a little cartridge thing maybe a zippo. zippo everyone had zippos how the fuck does those work like you put something you in them shoot butane fuel in the bottom yeah. oh, okay it's like a little you've never used a zippo later before dude i've smoked <laughs> a pack of cigarettes maybe in my life <laughs> and that was in college and we had fucking big lighters Zippos I mean, I've cool. seen Zippos. Zippos are neat. They're like yeah. cool, and you know, they have a little the little lid on them, right? And they're yeah. like they're collectibles and stuff now. But I've never actually had to use one and like replace it. I thought just when it's done, I guess I don't know. Never thought about it. Yeah, seventh, sixth, seventh grade me thought I was real cool with the Zippo smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Got to put. But to be fair, I grew up in an era where there's disposable lighters. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Zippos were like old and timey when I was growing up. Like it was like collectors' items then. Yeah, you have to replace the flints too, Mike. Like it was a whole operation. Fuck that! I'll just out shoot heroin then. Just I'm not even gonna deal with that. <laughs> yeah, and then you end up like tasting the lighter fluid in the cigarettes. Oh yeah. it's not great. Yeah, you absolutely awful. did. Yeah, it's it stupid. <laughs> I just thought I was cool when I was a kid. <laughs> Well, this is an interesting story. I love stuff like this. 
This is one of the one of my favorite outlines that we've done so far. Super cool. I didn't know anything about Robert Johnson. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about this going in, and uh, I'm glad I got this knowledge. I'm two degrees, uh, you know, like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm two degrees of Robert Johnson. I shook yeah. Robert Lockwood Jr.'s hand, and uh, he used to play <laughs> Robert Johnson. So how about that? For a few minutes, one, uh, one fine evening. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool story. It's interesting how all this stuff comes about. It is, yeah. yeah. I think the um, the blues being considered devil music, mm-hmm. Robert having two uh, women not you know one pass away, the other pulled away from him over devil music. I think that all goes into him selling his soul to the devil. <laughs> yeah. And an explanation for why he showed up in a year, six months to a year, just blowing everybody away. Yeah, absolutely. Well, jazz was devil music too before this, right? Early 1900s when jazz was born, same thing. It's all devil music. It all got the same bad rap. It's all bad. Everything's bad. Yeah. Right? All the cool <laughs> stuff, anyway. Yeah, everything that's fun. All right, anything else on this one? You guys got anything else to... I saw a lot of horoscope stuff out there, like everybody having like some, you know, like zodiac signs and things in common, but mm-hmm. I didn't even decide to look at that too much. Because that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have integrity on this show. <laughs> I feel bad for Faust. Like he was just like a dude who wanted to be a scientist. And yeah. Guy was, was apparently super smart, and then when he died, everyone's like, "Eh, so chill, the yeah. devil." This fucking. That's rant. how he will always be remembered. This guy. Yeah. I really wanted to find like a way to make a deal with the devil. Like that's what I was really looking for. It's like, how do you actually do it? Yeah. Yeah. How do we call them? What do we need to do? Right. What are the specifics? I saw some stuff about killing kids, like sacrificing (laughs) kids. Uh, But nothing was really concrete. Like there was no definitive way Mm. to make a deal with the devil. You couldn't print out like a PDF of the agreement Mm. and sign it in your own blood or anything cool. It's unfortunate. Faust's agreement. It was in. It's in one of the at least one of the the rewritten versions of that story, but it's from like the 1500s. So it's not even like it doesn't make sense, you know. So I don't know what it was talking about. Much like another famous book, it was written hundreds of years later, so it wasn't exactly an eyewitness account. (laughs) We need to come up with a a new Patreon (laughs) tier. It's like I don't know, twenty five, thirty bucks a month. We just call it the Deal with the Devil. And you sign up. We'll give you all kinds of perks, but you also can never cancel it. <laughs> you owe us 30 bucks a month for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's the deal with the devil tier. Comes with a t-shirt. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. Maybe even a koozie, right? Maybe. <laughs> I made a deal with the devil and all I got were my ears raped every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. We'll wordsmith a little bit. We'll get back to you on that one. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately there's no uh, concrete version out there on how to actually make a deal with the devil. Mm. Maybe for the best. Probably. A lot of wackos out there. We're making deals with the devil. <laughs> Crossroads were pretty interesting too. They'll show up a lot within um, other legends and, and, yeah, and uh, mythology stuff. Well, Faust favorites. was at the crossroads too. Like yeah. That's where it began, right? Yeah, he was at a physical crossroads. Yeah. It's also a fantastic Britney Spears movie, but we'll get to that. It's a really good Bone Thugs and Harmony song, too. Yeah, but it's a better Britney Spears movie. <laughs> and unlike these hacks, she made it past 27. So. <laughs> hacks. 
so now that we're finally laughing and not all about to cry about all these deaths, um, mixing things up a little bit. Dave, you got some Patreon shout outs. All right. Thank you to Jake S. Bowersmith, Riley Mack, Jessica Lee. Hey, Mike, want to Netflix and chill? That was Jessica Lee. That was a hyphenated name. That's a hell of it's a an name. invite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Natalia, Justin Benson, Portia Wendell, Miguel Manchaca. Good thing I got that holla holla clip handy. Holla holla. <laughs> Michael Haddox, Suzanne Turpi, House, Tom Foolery, Hey Yo Wayo, Scott Duff, Cole Roberts, Renalock, Petunia375, Michael Wolf, Logan Paskuski, Jared Womer, Ashley Mansara Smith, Brittany, Cookie Man, Cookie with lots of O's, Cookie Man, <laughs> Emma Smith, Andrew Diet, Double Dope Dummy, Bradley Bird, Jenna Tools, Meryl Clemens, Chris Cabot, Sarah Newkirk, I Bleem, Caxerty, Emily Ivers, Monica Jepson, Megan Becker, Your Mom's Little Secret. What do you think that is? A queef. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's what I initially thought of. <laughs> well, oh, let's go with that. Better than Casey? No. Lin- Sorry. I'm nope, denied. Mike has denied your name. Linda Fasano, Robert Heaton, Israel Romero, Justin Her- Justin her ass, Justin her ass. <laughs> nice. <laughs> April Womack, Trisha Gilbert, Michelle Vaughan, Erica Watkins, Alex Hughes, Sean Branson, Josh Berg, Bill Clinton, Soggy Stogie, Brian F., Alana Hildebrandt, Courtney Dyer. And Omega six six nine five, thank you so much, new patrons. Is Alana Hildebrandt Mrs. Hildebrandt's daughter? I I'm guessing so. Or is it Mrs. Is. Hildebrandt? We don't know her first name. We, we never did get her first name. Just that she was uh, calling from the bank. She's very concerned <laughs> with getting a hold of me. <laughs> she wants to talk to Mike. <laughs> She's got some special offers for uh, for Mike. <laughs> uh, Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Furry Pickles, 23 Huey, Whitney V5, Yo Boy Remus, Don 17, and Obi-Wan John Kenobi. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. All right. Thank you to everyone uh, that's been a patron and left us a review. You guys got anything else you want to get off your chest before we close this one out, or are we good to go? I don't think so. I think we're good. Yeah, I think I'm I think everyone should go home and listen to some Robert Johnson and then some Amy Winehouse music. It'll make your whole day. Watch that Netflix documentary, Devil at the Crossroads. Very entertaining. It's a quick one. It's like 48 minutes. Yeah, it's not very long. A lot of good good info, though. Do you have a specific Winehouse uh, album or song they should listen to? No, all of them. There's only a couple albums. He wasn't here that long. All right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod patreon.com slash necronomapod necronomapod.com and on necronomapod.com as well as on all of our socials you will find the link to our spring shop that has all of our new merch go check it out we got a uh, lots of cool items there available for you guys including uh, mugs and wine tumblers and um, clothing and all that good stuff 
Stickers. That's a big one. People love stickers. Stickers are cool. So uh, stick them on your local police car. They love it. <laughs> yeah. Just don't tell them we sent you. <laughs> um, yeah. Check us out again. You can get to the website. Uh, if you're on our socials, just click the link in our bio or go to necronowpod.com and you'll find the link to get to, uh, to our merch. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.